this is the most important and crucial period of your lives for what you do now and what you decide now at this age may well determine Good day, good day, good day, ladies and gentlemen. You're welcome to the conversation with Onyekachi and David. And with me today, I have very, very special people. I have uh, Honorable Ogon Bechi, I have my brother Manjiki Sane, and I have, as always, Mr. David Abraham. And this is the conversation. Right, guys. So, um, this is actually episode two, though, and uh, we have a very, very special topic for you guys. Very, 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 very special topic. Um, Jim Jones said something. He said, um, "Formal education will make you living, but self-education will make you a fortune." And because of that, today we have a very, very special topic, which is titled "Is University Education a Scam?" So, guys, before we really get into it, like, would you guys like try to you know just introduce yourselves, tell us, tell us about yourself, you know, tell us what you do, and you know, just let the listeners hear about you. Yes, uh, good evening. I'm so happy to be on the conversation today. My name is Manjike Sane. I am uh, currently a law graduate from the University of the Gambia Faculty of Law. I'm as well a teacher and a social worker. I'm partly also I'm an activist. So I'm happy to be here. It's a pleasure. All right. Um, it's with great delight that I, I count myself um, present here. Um, thank you for the honor. I am my humble self, um, Bechi Ogon. And also uh, a recent graduate from the, the Corrosive Law Faculty, UTG. Thank you. Okay, um, that's it, ladies and gentlemen. Let's just get straight into it. Let's get straight into it. I feel like this topic, to be honest here, yeah, you don't really know how important it is. Like, Or you don't ask yourself this question till you're either on the, on the verge of leaving university or you have left university. Um, then you take, a, then you take a, a deep look into your adventure and ask yourself, was it really worth it, right? So that said, um, I'll just ask the first question to our guest. Why do we go to university? Um, is it compo- Why do we go to university? Um, there's a girl outside on the street. You know, she can't get into school. Maybe her parents don't have money. Why? Like, what does university assure her that an ordinary diploma program would assure her or something else would assure her? Just can you just share some light on it, please? Uh, thank you so much for that wonderful question. I think we... <coughs> do go to university for a purpose and that purpose is to develop our what we call as our mental dexterity or our our level of uh, thinking our wisdom the way we you know perceive the world all these things are taught in in, in the university the university is a, an institution where you are taught the soft skills not the hard skills the hard skills are not that is not the purpose why we have a university. The university will teach you to, oh, it's like a form of investing in yourself. So we actually go to university to invest in ourselves, to prepare ourselves for the outside world. So this is the purpose why we go to university. Bishop, please, could you tell <laughs> Well, um, in my view, which is also very close to what um, my brother Manjika said, uh, I believe um, the purpose why we go to university or even, you know, attempt any academic exercise, it's for the acquisition of knowledge. 
And if I can recall um, what uh, the great philosopher Socrates clearly deposited, he said, um, knowledge is power. So we go to university precisely to equip ourselves with this knowledge to be powerful in the society. Thank you. I have a couple of questions leading out of your definitions, right? Um, so, so magically, like, I, I, I'm very interested to know how you classify hard and soft skills. What's, what are hard skills and what are soft skills to you, um, given the context of your definition? Uh, and right after that, I, I would want, uh, I want to, to talk a little bit more about you know, that quote you just uh, gave, that knowledge is power. So we, have, we live in a society, an African society generally, where uh, we have a lot of graduates, um, who don't have a lot of power. In fact, I think, you know, um, if you look at the, the presidencies of very many African countries, yeah, I won't be very specific with, with many, but uh, let me give you two okay, that, that I think we can relate to. Because uh, Machiki, you're Gambian, and Ogoni, you're Nigerian, right? And both your presidents don't have university degrees, but they have a whole lot of power like in context. So is, is knowledge really any form of power? Especially considering a country like Nigeria, where you have... Uh, hundreds of thousands, probably millions of unemployed graduates. Like, what power would you say that their university education has brought to them? So to recap, um, I'm asking you to clarify what you mean by hard and soft skills. And Ogun, I want you to, to kind of like demonstrate if, you, if knowledge really uh, does uh, accrue to any real power. Okay, uh, thank you so much. The hard and the soft skills that I'm talking about, it's the, for, the hard, for the soft skills, we are actually talking about the critical thinking aspect. Mm -hmm. The university will train you to be a critical thinker. For you to have that, develop that wisdom. You realize that soft skills are, can at some point will be obsolete. For example, if you know how to operate a specific machine, mm -hmm. for example, that particular uh, skill can be obsolete at some point and you will be useless. Mm -hmm. That is not the purpose of university. So you said soft skills, but I guess you meant hard skills. You said, uh, yes, hard the, skills, yes. Yeah. I mean hard skills. So those, those hard skills that you train, you're trained to do, for example, being a mechanic or being a carpenter, those are hard skills. Mm -hmm. Those That is not the purpose of going to university. The university will train your mind, <coughs> your mental dexterity, mm -hmm. for you to develop that kind of uh, critical thinking skills that can help you be a better person outside of the university. Mm -hmm. So that's what I mean by hard and soft skills. Okay, okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, all right. Um, I'm very delighted that you made mention of Gambia and Nigeria, where you know, the uh, both presidents are not uh, professors yeah. or, or university graduates. Uh, but before I delve into the argument, I will recall that the vice president of the Gambia is a PhD holder. Yes. Good. And the vice president of Nigeria is a professor, a senior advocate of Nigeria. Yeah. Good. All right. Um, now, don't you think it's because of their knowledgeability that they approached that particular position? One, um, progressively, when we say knowledge is power, it doesn't mean physical power or political power, especially. However, it keeps you on a platform where you have a brighter understanding of whatever activities you're doing. It is so sad that um, the political terrain within Africa precisely has gone sour. Otherwise, people with great knowledge are supposed to be the ones to be equipped. Like Plato said it clearly, until philosophers become kings, the world will remain in tears. And that's why we are suffering the way we are suffering. Kemen is suffering, Nigeria is even dying daily because of the hands that we, we put ourselves. Now we have a, a number of millions of unemployed graduates on the street of Nigeria, and maybe a, a couple of few in, in the Gambia. That is because everything has been politicized. Now, some people go to school, yes, we all graduate, and even the least in the classes are the ones that get a job first. Because of connections, <coughs> you see the best of the people of the persons, mm -hmm. you know that that have the the, the, the technical know-how to do to deliver the facts. But that person will not be given, the, you know, that, that 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 privilege 
because he or she doesn't know a person up there. And that is it. But to, for knowledge to be powerful, it is very clearly that when you equip yourself with this knowledge, you become a little more powerful than you were when you did not, you did not acquire the knowledge or when you didn't gain the university attainment. Uh, moving on a bit there, like you guys are speaking about knowledge, 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 knowledge. Mm -hmm. This knowledge that we get from university, what stops me from sitting in my house and getting a textbook? I mean, like the world is now, like you could literally learn any skill on YouTube right now. You can learn any course from the, from the internet. I mean, there are courses online, free courses online. There are um, websites that, you know, give you um, the opportunity to actually learn a skill or learn much about a subject, right? Um, what stops us from staying at home and just, you know, learning this, this, or getting this knowledge from the comfort of our houses. Okay, thank you so much for this question. I'll quote from Socrates. Mm. He said... We're hearing a lot from Socrates. <laughs> yes, yes. He talks a lot about knowledge, knowledge and education. Yes. So I'll quote from him. He said, an unexamined life is not worth living. Mm. Yes, he said this. And this is the reason, this is the main objective of going to university. If you, yes, you can sit at home, do your uh, readings, read books, and do whatsoever you can. But you are not actually going to be examined as to whether you fully get that thing or not. So the university is there to examine you on that knowledge acquisition. Actually, university is not even uh, like compared to other stages of our education from lower basic uh, primary school to junior school, high school. We, we are actually taught by teachers. That's why university <laughs> teachers are all lecturers. They're there to guide you and you are the person that is acquiring knowledge through research. So you do your own research, acquire the knowledge, and then they will test you to see whether you actually get that thing that you dream or not. Mm -hmm. So that is the purpose of going to the university. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. Okay, um, if I could chip in a little on, on that particular subject matter. Uh, in education, there's what we call formal and informal education. You understand? Now the society embraces the formal education more. I could sit in my house and do whatever I want to do. Like he said clearly, you need to be examined if you have truly hitting the threshold of what, what you ought to do. You cannot examine yourself. It's like being the invigilator of your own exams. It's like you cannot judge your own case. Yeah. Yes. So that's something you also look, at, look into. Sometimes it's not just doing what you're doing, but how you do what you do. Like, also, um, I would draw a pillar from what he said. Sometimes you need a, a guidance, a lecturer, somebody that will guide you through, like the, uh, our dean will say that, the lecturer will just there to point the light to your path, so you see where you, how you walk through to the acquisition of your knowledge. And that's why you see that most of us find ourselves in this, in this environment. Okay. So, but, but let, let, me, let, me, you know, let me go back to, to where my debate started. And of course, mm -hmm. it's all tied in with what you're saying about. Mm -hmm. um, so if you're saying that, um, the purpose of university education is to examine and thereby to certify you as having acquired a certain standing <coughs> in terms of right, probably knowledge acquisition, right? And that just that implies that the knowledge offered at the university level is standardized. Mm -hmm. Okay, and, and that's where there comes a little problem with your previous definition or delineation with hard skills and soft skills. Mm -hmm. uh, because if you say we're coming to university to learn how to process how to think and become analytical. Mm. It is impossible to standardize the analytical process. You know, what a university does is to say that all 50 of you mm. have spent four years here and you've come out at the same level or at, at some minimum threshold, mm. right? Mm. That you can do the same thing. Like, mm. So a doctor is a doctor anywhere, right? Mm. Anybody who graduates from UTG is expected to behave in a certain way mm. consistently. Mm. And same thing with a lawyer, right? Yes. So you're expected, there's a level of standardization. So that implies, right, 
that the main function now, like regardless of what university is meant to do, and this is where I'm going to allege the first element of scammishness mm-hmm. of university <laughs> education, right? Is that uh, if it is supposed to train you in critical thinking, but the only way it distinguishes itself from other forms of education is by standardizing that education to put you through a mold mm-hmm. and then certify you at the end, then it fails. It's not possible to do that with analytical thought. The, the whole essence of analytical thought is that the outcome may never be the same for any two people, right? Mm-hmm. Without necessarily being wrong. But university education forces you to come to a point where you're either right or wrong, right? That's how exams work, you know? Mm-hmm. So, so to me, I would say that it's failing if its first purpose is to train you to think critically. It's doing the opposite by training you to think uniformly in accordance with how other people have thought throughout history. Mm-hmm. I, I see you want to reply. Yes, yeah, I already replied to him. Uh, yes, we are being trained to think analytically and make these cogitations. However, it will not always be in a uniform manner. <coughs> this is because we all have different abilities inherent in us that will assist the thinking, the thinking exercise. Now, if you, if you did a course with Professor Daniel, you see that he gives you the latitude to pick a philosophical position and argue on it. Mm-hmm. There is nothing like, right, it is not mathematics where one plus one is always two. Mm-hmm. Like, for example, I'm just mm-hmm. now. Now, it gives you education generally. It allows you uh, to use the ability you have and to acquire a particular result. We are all cannot use a particular driver. We can be going to West, we will, will not all pass through APRC. Mm-hmm. We can still go through maybe like um, the traffic that's, that's the way it should and, be. And, and, and yes, exactly. No, so now, the thing is, maybe some persons, the way that they lecture or the way they learn is that they must, you know, think or reason in a, in a uniform manner. Mm-hmm. That is to them. However, the purpose of education, like he rightly said, is to widen and broaden your horizon. So you can think all around and then hit a particular and a reasonably expected destination logically. But then, let me mm-hmm. let me let me bring you back to the uh, societal context. And, and by the way, for for our audience and uh, people listening, uh, we all happen to be law students. So he made a reference to Professor Daniel, mm-hmm. who happens to be one of our law professors. Um, so so now, can you, would you say that with the education that we have, let's even narrow it down to the African context, right? We have many universities in, in Africa, yeah. um, a few in Gambia. Yeah. Um, would you say that that these universities have produced critical thinking in society? Because you know, universities don't produce; they don't. They're not supposed to train you to think critically mm. for the sake of thinking critically. Mm. They're supposed to train you to think critically for the sake of having impact in society. Mm. And you already said that knowledge is power, yeah. right? And that power has to manifest itself somehow, right? In your ability to do things differently, mm. or to make a change, or to have an impact, right? So if we put these two things together, that you have been trained to think analytically, and because of that, you have acquired a power, some type of power, mm. the end result is that the society must experience some benefit. So can you say that we have experienced those benefits in society and if not, wouldn't that point to the, to the fact that university education is faulty, at least in the African context? Uh, to respond to this uh, yeah. argument, I would say you have a little bit of uh, misunderstanding with respect to uh, developing or producing critical thinkers. We're not saying the, univers- the purpose of the university education is to produce philosophers. We're, t- we're talking about critical thinkers in with respect to your the kind of job that you you are assigned to do. For example, if I'm a banker, I the purpose of me being trained as a banker, I will be able to at least critically think as to how to develop that banking institution. Yeah. 
So that is actually what we, we, we no, have. So that's, we have that's policy, I mean. that's that's, I mean. Yes, so we have policy drafters. Yeah. We have policy drafters. Do all those people pass through the University of the Gambia or University of Gambia or any other university? Mm-hmm. So you realize that those because of those people, that is the reason why we have those brilliant policies and then those policies have been implemented and then now we we we're here. Do you so, think we have brilliant policies? Okay, let, let's go to a very practical aspect, right? Let's go to the STEM field. Let's go to the STEM field. I wanted to answer something you said before. Yeah, yeah we go okay. to another aspect. Okay. You mean make sure of the fact that the society is not really feeling the impact of the yes. graduate or something. Yeah. Now, one, I believe it's feeling its impact. Okay. Impact of the, the educated elite yeah. to, a, a, to a large extent. Right. Now, one, okay, let us say because of the errors we are making in Africa, that's why it's not feeling the impact. If we're not knowledgeable enough, we don't even know that we are growing erroneously. Mm-hmm. To show you that it means for you to know that something is wrong, it means you know that there's a right way. You understand? Yeah. So yeah, so I believe that the impact is felt, but not, not, not as much as it should be felt, in my view. You know, you know where I'm coming from is this. Look, let, let's even leave out some of the more philosophical or theoretical fields, right? The mm. more soft fields like mm. law mm. or even management and stuff. Let's go mm. to STEM. Like it's very practical: mm. science, technology, uh, engineering, and mathematics, yeah. right? So I'm expecting that. In, in any society that produces people, and of course, okay, maybe in Gambia we haven't had so much of engineering just yet. Like mm. the engineering faculty at UTG is relatively new, mm. um, so we wouldn't judge them uh, very, very harshly. Mm. But we've had other STEM professionals, right? Mm. So what we're expecting is that if you go to school and you acquire STEM knowledge, mm. um, your impact on society should be that things are done differently after you come out, right? Mm. So how are we tackling, for example? Um, uh, the most chronic tropical diseases, for example, malaria, right? It's very common in our part of the world. But you, you, you would discover that most of the initiatives that are launched to tackle malaria, or even things like HIV/AIDS, are you know foreign imported and foreign sponsored. Mm-hmm. So in that sense, I'm, I'm saying that I really don't see what they're doing. But then, to be fair, also that could also be based on a number of other factors. Maybe there's not enough funding or, mm-hmm. or enough of, of this or that. Um, but but that's for you to. I'm, I'm glad you, yeah, yeah, you asked me the question to, to already. Answer, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm not I'm not necessarily answering the question. I'm conceding that that could be a potential answer. But but it needs <laughs> to be seen whether that's truly the answer. I mean, okay, if you go to our hospitals, do you really think that the doctors there are doing anything other than simply replicating what they were taught? Right. So in that sense, I'm not seeing critical thinking. I'm seeing application of a mold. Yeah. Factory fitted. And then, yeah, yeah, no, 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 no. The thing is, yeah, we may have a, a, um, a handful of them that will just replicate, you know, what they, they, they have vested from the university. However, you will also have, no matter how microscopically few they will be, you will also have at least one or two that will also add the little knowledge that they have gathered in the course of the training, the experiences, to what they learned. And that, that's what makes them a little more professional. Even when you go to the hospitals, you see that some doctors, like they speak higher of some doctors, even in, in the legal field. There's some people that we, if they if we hear their names like you no know, these, these people are good you understand it's because they're not just replicating you know what they, they what they was cultivated into them from UTG mm-hmm. but as much as added a little they have, have done from their own individual research to add up and also the way they carry their zeal towards the profession so it will not be a pure replication but yeah if you just do a pure replication it will just be all on the same flows so you must have an addendum yeah, to make you outstanding I'm speaking about doctors right um, and guys in the STEM field. Um, um, it's quite shocking, right, to know that um, a lot of, like a large percentage of our doctors and mm-hmm. engineers have, especially from Nigeria and maybe even in Gambia, have migrated to countries such as America, mm-hmm. where the health sector is better, and mm-hmm. Canada. Mm-hmm. Um, why do you think, why do you think um, is the reason, like, why don't they stay here and mm-hmm. invest into us that knowledge that they've wasted, 
not I won't call it waste though. That's um, knowledge that they've spent and um, committed seven years of their lives into. Why don't they stay back and impact this into us so that we can actually see the benefits of this um, uh, pursuit of a degree mm. or knowledge? Well, I think that question is more of a personal question than mm. the question that I'll be able to answer mm. because I don't know the reason why they 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 actually going outside of the Gambia or outside of the outside of Africa, but I would say. Most of them are going because of uh, lack of motivation, lack of motivation from our government, lack of motivation. Sometimes uh, I attended Sea Awards. Uh, it's a program I can say uh, an initiative where they, you know, award women in the Gambia who are actually doing uh, a lot of good work uh, in in the Gambia and across across the world. So there is this lady that was awarded, and the lady is a researcher, a medical researcher at MRC. Yeah, and he's he even talked about. Uh, Hard doing some research that probably would yield us some very good results in the ensuing years. But, like, she also talked about a lack of motivation. Even, like, you drafting a proposal, sending it to the government, the government would turn it down several uh, countless times. So, these are some of the reasons why I think most of our brilliant uh, people, researchers, would leave uh, for a greener pasture outside. Okay. Um, so, right, there was a study, right, that was conducted. Um, the stats show that over 44% of recent college graduates, college or university, recent college graduates are not currently working jobs that they studied in. So, for example, um, if I studied um, if if I studied law in school, I'm not necessarily like studying law. Can't you? Yeah, I think I think you know that's that actually to to just build up on what you're saying is that mm. those graduates are actually working jobs that do not even require a degree at mm. all. Okay, not even like another field that mm. requires a degree. They're going, you know, they're going through college, mm. paying so much money, coming out and reverting to jobs that never required a degree in the first place. Does that make any sense? That is still a wasted degree. So that is that is uh, this testimony that uh, I read from someone who studied engineering, but he's doing a totally different job yeah. and his testimony was even though he studied some other uh, fields like religious studies and other mm-hmm. other degrees some other degrees all those degrees that uh, were not wasted because at some point in his life he was able to use the knowledge that he acquired and to tell you for a fact the purpose of the university is not to prepare you for a particular type of job mm-hmm. yes if you go into university to just become a lawyer then you don't know the purpose of going to the university. The purpose of going to the university is to train your mind to be able to create something for yourself, an opportunity for yourself. So mm-hmm. if you are able to, I had, I don't know, you guys are Nigerians, I don't know, I had uh, something about, like, in Nigeria, you have a grad, graduate who will be doing a different kind of job, different from mm-hmm. the, the one that yeah. you study in the university. So that is not the purpose. That is not the purpose of going to university. You don't go to university to do a specific type of, type but, of job. No. But, like, yeah. but, but, but I, I kind of have um, some reservations to that, um, Mr. Majiki. Before you find your reservation, there's something David said and he answered, and I wanted to add to it again, okay. that sometimes we go to school and then we get a job that mm. maybe that does not warrant for a degree holder. Mm-hmm. Well, I had my first degree in 2012. Mm-hmm. And in 2013, I had a job in MCA cement factory. Mm-hmm. Now, I went there, I was, I was being employed with my SSC, not even the degree I had, because at then, then my certificate was not ready. Now, when I got there and I started the job, my certificate was now ready. And I was now elevated above my own colleagues and even people that senior me in my department. And I became the secretary of my department because of the degree I had. 
You understand? Yes. Now, sometimes you may not really necessarily start from where a degree is required. However, in the course of your stay there, there may be a window or a requirement for a degree, and which if you have, we'll give you a hedge. And of course, you make you deliver your thoughts. Yeah. And maybe as I'm going back, I may even go back to continue working there. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, um, there's, there's a saying that um, in the land of the blind, uh, one eyed man is king. So okay. um, if you have a degree in a place where nobody has a degree, you're, you're bound to be the head. Yeah. Well, my point to what Manike was saying is this, right? Um, people, young people spend seven years of their life studying medicine, right? Mm -hmm. And um, without a doubt, there is an inner um, um, compulsion in them to actually become doctors, right? They may not be practicing doctors, but it is it is it is assumed that um, within the first few years after your life in, med um, um, in medical school, you need to practice because at the end of the day, we are the medical school is is really um, is um, training students to become doctors and help the and help the society. So if you're saying that school or that university education doesn't necessarily make you does does oh, sorry doesn't necessarily um, train you to, be train to become a professional, then what's the essence then? No, I think you missed I didn't say the university <coughs> doesn't train you to become a professional. The objective of you going to the university is not only just bound. It's not only for you to become a, a professional in a specific in a type of job. In Bro, a okay. That's what I'm saying. Exactly. But like back to my so, point, right? Mm -hmm. But your primary responsibility mm -hmm. um, in that um, in that pursuit is to practice med People are dying every single day, mm, right? Okay. We need doctors. Mm -hmm. We need yes. we need we need innovators. People mm -hmm. that are able to come up with um, drugs that will save us from a lot of these deadly um, diseases. Mm -hmm. So if you're saying that you're going to school, like, I mean, your primary responsibility is really should be really you know what counts. Here. But that is a personal decision that once one will make. For example, if I graduate as a as as a medical student, as a doctor, and I choose to become something else, that is my personal decision. The university should not be blamed for that, and uh, that should not be interpreted as scammies or something. No. And in but, fact, in yeah. fact, again, if you graduate from a particular field and you don't do go to the altar of that field, that doesn't make you less a graduate or less a professional yeah. in that field. You can still use that knowledge, you know, that knowledge, and still develop in another field. Like um, there are some people, some some lawyers here in the game that are not practicing, but are good maybe in politics or something, and maybe they are, they are possibly doing well. I wouldn't want to mention names. You understand? Some in other, other fields. Yeah. So generally, you see that um, in one way or the other, whenever you, you find yourself doing, you it 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 will show that act of the, of the truth. You acquired a particular degree if you did it, you know, in all sincerity and utmost faith. You know, but really, the point is is that uh, the university is is designed in a way to prove. That you are a professional. Going back to your point over okay. mm. about certification, yeah. right? That, mm. or was it your point? Okay, yeah, 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 about certification. You yes. have to be examined, and an examined life is not yeah. worth living. In, in the professional context, why universities examine you is so that when you're presented to an employer, the employer knows for sure that you are able to do what you need to do, right? So, and that applies more particularly to certain professions: mm -hmm. doctors, lawyers, accountants, like people who have. Um, Work that cannot be done by common sense uh -huh. methods, you know. Maybe even in business management or things like marketing, you can use a bit of common sense, right, mm -hmm. to figure your way around. But you can't do that with law. Uh -huh. You cannot do that with accounting. You cannot do that with professions like like medicine. And and that is where the term professional really comes from. Uh -huh. It implies that you have some specific trade knowledge, mm -hmm. yeah, that cannot easily be understood or acquired without going through training. Mm -hmm. yeah, so to so that extent, I would say that you know, the major function of investing in education is actually to train you. Mm -hmm. But in so doing, I, I wouldn't uh, despise the mm -hmm. element of critical and uh, analytical thinking mm -hmm. training that goes into it. Uh, because you're not just trained to be an ordinary technician. 
You see, that, that, that is what uh, technical <coughs> colleges train to, to be, yeah. technicians, right? And mm-hmm. I apologize for using the term ordinary. There's nothing like an yeah. ordinary technician. Yeah. Um, so university doesn't train you to be a technician, which is just merely professional alone. It trains you to be professional plus, um, you know, the ability to think and, and process things purposely yeah. so that you can introduce change and make impact and be like, okay, you know what, uh, this legal system doesn't really make sense anymore. Uh, we need to do things differently. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, you know, since we kind of all have that legal background, right, mm-hmm. I, I want to ask a question of, you know, we inherited a legal system that has barely changed in any dramatic way over the years. Um, but these laws were inherited. And, and even though they have worked for the large part, right, it's almost like transplanting an organ from one human being to another person. The body will accept it, but you know, sometimes there's a reaction, you know, sometimes it rejects it. Uh, and, and I would generally say that you know, when you do that, um, it won't really work perfectly because it's, it was not adapted from the same context. Uh, now I'm talking about the laws, uh, yeah. not organs. Um, so why is it that with all our legal training, with all our education, there has been no attempt to reform the legal system to really customize it to the local context. And I say this for every Commonwealth country. America has done that. Like they, they've changed, they, they still use the Commonwealth system, but you see that their corpus juris is very unique and based more on their own laws, right? Even though they, they have their origin in, in the British laws. Mm-hmm. Why do we still have British laws, uh, British laws in application in, in our legal system? Okay. Um, I will attempt it before uh, Manjike comes in. Um, I'm glad you said it, used America for, uh, as an example. Those guys got their independence in the 18th century. Yeah. Good. And they now have their own laws attached to what they inherited, right? Yes. Exactly. Now, um, we're also in that process. We, we cannot say that all the laws that are enforced in the Gambia, for instance, are all the imported or the, the inherited laws. Mm-hmm. We have laws here that were not. If, if, like now, if you give you Peru Section 7, you see that mm-hmm. our customary laws are part of the laws. Yes. Sharia laws are part of the laws. Those are not inherited. Mm-hmm. And as time an event unfolds, we also learn to see how to adapt our own laws. You will see, like the new the, the constitution now that may come into force any moment from now. Mm-hmm. You see that um, the draft itself uh, try to like, replicate what has been missing in the Gambian context, mm-hmm. which has been majorly the violation of human rights. Mm-hmm. And if you see that the draft, you know, it does what it preaches more. You understand? Try to reduce, you know, powers in the, in the particular circle and try to decentralize it and make even you know the common man on the street ca- on the street count. So as time and event unfolds, like I said. We will also see how to bring in our own laws as it affects our own coexistence and, and activities within this field. But do you have something to say? No, I think basically, as I said, okay. it's about time, it's about mm-hmm. development, it's about. I know Africa the development is really, really slow. Yeah. So we are. I'm sure we will get there someday, <laughs> even though it is actually going to be a yeah. tough and rough road. Yeah. But I'm sure we. Uh, as we are graduating brilliant students like you, like Ogo, like Ego. <laughs> <laughs> so obviously we are actually going to develop the just students exactly. of our okay. biggest contest. Yeah. Great. Uh, I'm happy you've said that because I, I have an example um, that sticks in my mind about why this doesn't make sense. Merely inheriting laws without developing your own contextual laws. Take the issue of marital rape, for example. Right? Yeah. Now, the laws that we've inherited from the, you know, the common law, mm-hmm. um, at the time, did not have marital rape as an offence. Mm. The principle was that um, once married, consent mm. was deemed to be irrevocable. Exactly. And feminine. But that has changed in England. Okay, on recent mm. now, uh, in the case of R versus R, mm. uh, uh, it was it has been stated as a principle that mm. that consent can be revoked by a married woman. Mm. Uh, 
Uh, but we don't have that reflected in, in Gambian laws. In fact, in the Sexual Offences Act, um, Section uh, 3, yeah. Yeah, it, it, says, it basically says that the definition of rape and all those things do not apply to married people. Never. So, and that is a reflection of the common law that we inherited. Meanwhile, that common law has developed. Mm. But because we rely on inherited laws, mm. our law has not developed. Uh, along with, with the common law that is uh, developing. So, um, but, but that's an example, by the way. I think you've already addressed the point. Exactly. Yeah, but I wanted to see how to also uh, try to renew and when necessary debunk some, some items yeah. in that example. Yeah. Like you said, they have, the, the, law, the law has evolved in that particular field yeah. when there's now marital rape. You understand? Yeah. For us, our own development is towards the fact that there should not be marital rape. That's how we developed from section 1, 2, 2, 1, 2, 3. One two one one two two of the criminal code to section three of the sexual offences act that it should not it should not be applied in marriages. So here there's not like like marital rape in marriages because for, we believe our system will not will not will not embrace that. When once married, it's comprehensive and colossal. Are you saying that it was a deliberate mm -hmm. uh, insertion to actually prevent marital rape from entering our laws? And would you agree with that? Do you think that's right? I mean, this is a digression, but yes, yes, yes. it's important. For me, I think it's very right. You've already given your God. What do people do in marriage? Do they go there to play football? <laughs> no. Honorable. Mm, Brother, yes. I want, I want to ask, when was the, the marital rape yeah. uh, being criminalized in, in, in England? Um, I can't put a date to that, but yeah. that would have been within the past 10 years. Yeah. Um, I just want to ask that, that question yeah. because mm -hmm. you know we have the Sexual Offenses Act yeah. yes. and before we had the Sexual Offenses Act we had the Criminal Code yes. that uh, criminalized rape. Mm -hmm. yes. So after having the Sexual Offenses Act mm -hmm. then the provisions that criminalized rape mm -hmm. in the Criminal Code yeah. were now amended and yes. flushed. Yeah. You, know, you know the thing about the Criminal Code mm -hmm. before the Sexual Offenses Act is mm -hmm. that it was read in line or rather in conjunction mm -hmm. um, with common law principles. Mm -hmm. yes, right? That's yes, how yes. We, we practice our law here, right? Yeah. So even though it didn't explicitly state mm -hmm. that there's nothing like marital exactly. rape, it, it, would have been, mm -hmm. it would have been implied right. from the common law. Exactly. So, so I don't think there was any change, mm -hmm. let's say. There was the same application, and, and I think you would not find a single case yeah. of conviction based on marital exactly. rape yeah. in the Gambia. No, for me, it's, a, it's, like the social offense, it's more of like, a clarification, yes. because it was like the law was silent on that. Mm -hmm. I know when they say what the, when the law has been mentioned of one thing, the other thing has no mention will be excluded. Mm -hmm. yes. Now for this, it's, now they had, had, they had to do some form of clarification, mm -hmm. as I had just mentioned in section 3, mm -hmm. claiming the social offense that, that it does not concern marriages. marriages. Yes. Yeah. Now moving, moving further from legal issues, uh, um, one of the major criticisms of um, university education is that it is ridiculously expensive. Mm. Um, uh, another stat that says mm. that over 25% of college students mm. decide not to return for their second year because of how expensive um, mm. um, university education is. And you mentioned earlier that knowledge is power. Mm. I mean, every society should you know, strive to make um, its citizens acquire this knowledge that will prospectively move it forward. Mm. So what do you have to say about that? Before you guys go on this, sorry, I need, this is like one of the major things I actually wanted to see uh, on today's episode. Yeah. And this is one of the, the things that really makes university education, in fact, almost all education, a scam. Right? Now, he said that university education is, uh, is too expensive and it's putting off people from acquiring power. Now, if education and knowledge are the foundations on which society are built, right? We can't, we can't have a working society without knowledgeable people mm -hmm. that know about science, that know about law, that know how to build roads, that know how to apply laws. Like right? mm -hmm. So every society must prioritize knowledge, right? Mm -hmm. And if, you, if a society truly prioritizes knowledge, like almost every society would want us to believe that they do, uh, this is what they would do. 
they would reduce the barriers to accessing that knowledge and they would devote more resources to improving the quality of education that is offered. And if you understand how our societies work, because we're largely capitalist, right? The way we uh, attract quality in any uh, field is by offering a greater financial reward. Now, I say the education system as a whole is scammish because um, it reverses these principles, right? It makes, it increases the barriers to acquiring knowledge. Instead of reducing them, it makes them higher by, by imposing higher fees. And instead of allocating more resources to uh, attracting uh, quality inputs, right? Teachers and lecturers are generally paid less than their colleagues in other fields, right? Mm -hmm. Right? Why mm -hmm. should a teacher, even at primary school or secondary school level, which is the foundation of education, mm -hmm. why should a teacher be paid less than a banker, for example? If you say that, if we agree that education is that important in society, mm -hmm. what I'm expecting to see from a functional education system is uh, cheap or no-cost education, particularly at the basic level, which we have to some extent in Gambia. Right? But, but I actually think that it should extend to the tertiary level. Like why, why do we draw that distinction between um, basic, uh, secondary, and then tertiary? Mm -hmm. like why, why should tertiary education be off-limits to some people? Yeah, even even um, um, in the constitution, basic education is... But I'm saying that, that tertiary education should not be off-limits to anybody. Mm -hmm. right? And, and here's, here's what I find so uh, interesting. Like, take a society like Gambia. Mm -hmm. And we even know already in societies like America, like students are saddled with massive amounts of, of uh, debt from their university education. Right. But I found out that in Gambia, like, you know, going by some stats I did when I did a quick Google search, um, the per capita income in Gambia is about $800, right? right? But the cost of coming to UTG is about $40,000. Right. So it's $800 is, is $40,000, right? Basically, what that means is that by virtue of those fees alone, university education is out of out of the question for the majority of Gambians, mm. right? Oh. Why should that be? Why are the fees that high? Like, I, I really want to sit down um, with, with our administrators here and, and, and find out, like, why are the fees this high? What does it really go into? What do you think it goes into? <laughs> well, um, yeah, I wouldn't want to jump into asking where it be, it's going into. Um, however, uh, I will first of all start from where you started from, that um, we make education, tertiary education, Expensive, yet the teachers are, are less. They they paid less. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um. The thing is, uh, I think that is um majorly within the, the Gambian contest, because relatively in Nigeria, university, federal university, state-owned universities are not expensive. Yeah, they are not expensive. It's only private-owned that are expensive. Mm -hmm. Any every, an average Nigerian can afford invest. You see a man working in an average job has like three, four kids in the university. Yeah. So like in my okay, my first year I paid about fifty thousand naira to sixty two thousand from year one to my fourth year within that range. Uh, and fifty thousand naira total or per year? No, like per year. And fifty thousand naira in Gambian dollars is just about say seven or eight thousand dollars. Right. You understand? Yeah. Now, so you see that sometimes is where we are. Uh, that's why I say right. It's expensive here, and some of us here pay five thousand dollars per year. It's mm -hmm. expensive here. That is true. Um, but my cry is also that the teachers are underpaid. Mm -hmm. And that's very bad. Recently in Nigeria, the, the, the teachers, the, prof, the lecturers, they, had, they went on strike on these issues. That why should you know, MP members, that are taught, that their own students, be paid higher than them that are professors in the field, that have spent all their lives in the field. Mm -hmm. And people just go and contest the election, buy people rights, and then they win the election, and they start giving them all these things. Mm -hmm. And then they were also, you know, the government looked into it and said that, yeah, they needed more, and they talked. And these professors, they earn 
you know, some, some at least now it's a little, a little reasonable. For me, it's like a call to the government to look into it. Just that the African system, the African uh, um, governance system is, I don't know, it's a little problematic. They don't value much of education. If you look at whatever, what is allocated to education, sometimes it's, it's worthy of tears. Yeah. All over the world, education and the health sector, it's very bad. They'll just channel the funds to security or whatever they can, they can squander it, mm-hmm. whatever they like. Yeah, but it's just that because of they, they don't have, they don't value the academic sector, and that's why we're suffering this way. And I wouldn't want us to say education is a scam because by, by going by the wordings of scam, you it's like um a fraudulent scheme. So I don't think it's 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 that that way. Mm-hmm. It's not a fraudulent scheme. Okay, yeah, let, let me put it like this: like yeah. let's 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 debate on on the deceptiveness or not of university education. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, does it deliver what it promises? Uh, or is, does it deliver on how it is marketed, right? So mm-hmm. you pay $40,000 every year for mm-hmm. four years, mm-hmm. and you come out and you're earning $7,000 a month. Does that make any sense? Of course it makes sense. Uh, statistic has it, I don't know, for the Gambia, but for the U.S., that uh, on average, uh, university or college graduates earn two, $2 million in their life, two, mm-hmm. $2 million more than known college graduates in their lifetime. Mm-hmm. So that is a, for, the, for, for a fact. So this is uh, for a long time purpose, not for a short time purpose. Okay. And the purpose of university is not to make you rich. You are actually pumping in that money, you are investing in yourself. Now, the onus is on you to prove yourself to the world. We have people that will graduate and then they will earn more than what they've actually paid at the university. Yeah. We have people that are paid 100,000. As a far for example, mm-hmm. as a far is, Probably, rumors has it that he's mm-hmm. actually paid like $100,000. Mm-hmm. Some judges are paid sixty, seventy thousand dollars $70,000, judges. So you realize that those people, they've proved themselves. So you invest in yourself, make research, and then you, you're actually going to be paid with okay, that kind of good. money. Let, let, me, let me add a little flavor to my, my, my initial point, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think that we can agree that the vast majority of people who come to university mm-hmm. come because the education system is almost, uh, uh, how would I say, almost... Uh, inextricably linked with employment prospects, right? If you don't go to university, like you just pointed out, yeah. you're not going to earn as much as other people. Yeah. So for most people, that truly is the motivation. Yeah. Like there are other people who come here because just because they want to be a certain type of professional, yeah. um, and they want to achieve something, right? You might want to be a lawyer because you want to help people. Yeah. That's a little different. And you might want to be a doctor to help people to understand it's a different. But for most people, it's really about money. Yeah. So I'm saying that, right? If if education has been made the barrier to um, uh, good employment prospects, right? Now, compare a person who spends four years paying that much money for education to a person who invests that amount of money in in some tangible business. Mm -hmm. And and in saying this, I'm now bringing up the idea of alternative education, Uh right? Which is where you don't have to come to uh, a university and spend four years to learn. You can simply be a, uh, a mentee which is the type of education I think we're more used to in yeah. our traditional yeah. societies, yeah. be a mentee to someone who is already skilled at yeah. their craft, yeah. right? If, if, you're, if you're about make, making money like most people are, yeah. I think that not coming to university is a better bet for you. Yeah. Like, so, so in terms of whether it's a scam or not, like, I, I see um, the promise of, of economic <coughs> advantage is scamish in terms of university education. Like, university education cannot give you that. And if it cannot give you that, it ought not to charge you uh, that much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so they're charging too much. That's what you're saying. They're basically yeah. You know, but um, it's a heavy investment that does not yield returns. Okay. Yeah. I mean, the last uh, 
about two or three months ago, we had a scholarship giving school here because we saw that students are suffering, you mm -hmm. know, with regards to payment of school fees. And we said, and it made us understand that over 75% of our students in UTG are on, on scholarship, four year scholarship. You understand? Know, mm -hmm. Yes. So for me, that I think that is also another means that uh, society subsidizes for this uh, payment. Even the school itself gives, you know, scholarship. Other ministries do give scholarship. Even the students' union, we get scholarship to about 40 students. Well, well, I mean, yeah. on, that, that itself mm -hmm. points to, to like something not making sense yet. No, the, the thing is, so it's many people have to be on a scholarship mm -hmm. to come yeah. to university. The thing Why is, is it like, yeah. s like very accessible to yeah. the normal man on the street? Yeah, yeah. No, but of course now, you know, nothing good, good comes easy. Every, everything cannot be accessible like that. Yeah, some things will be a little difficult to get. And I know that, yeah, tertiary education in the Gambia and in most places too, it's a little, a little difficult to get because of you know what is being charged or required for school fees. Yes. But I know um, relatively, um, uh, the, it will be looked into to see how it can come down so that the common man can also afford it, so that even without scholarship, others can also benefit you know from the education. Uh, you made mention of the um, mentee and you know with his mentor, learning craft and other things. Yeah. Um, but how far can craft take you? And what is craft in today's society, especially within the African context? And what type of craft are we looking at? Okay, can't you be an like you go to university, you finish and you still be a craftsman and like a better person? You can still do that and, and maybe even make your, your your craft work to be a little more professional with brighter ideas and more connections to deliver your craft. Okay, that's where the soft skill that's where the soft skill and the hard skill yeah. will come in. Exactly. The soft skill the hard skills would obviously be upset at some point. So mm -hmm. if you for example large craft. Uh, this uh, kind of craft mm -hmm. after 10 years it might be obsolete mm -hmm. so you need that critical thinking skill that you learn from the college or from the university to at least catapult you mm -hmm. in front so that is the purpose of going to the university um okay so now let's just imagine now right mm -hmm. someone has entered into university um i think there is a major issue with the curriculum of our schools mm -hmm. right and with even our lecturers and the method in which this um, their message has been delivered. But let's just start with, you know, um, the, the personnel in charge of delivering this message. I think in Africa, even, probably even worldwide, what we have is not necessarily professionals teaching the course. What we have is professors teaching the course. So, for example, um, uh, we're talking about, say, um, economics, right? Um, uh, an economics uh, course, right? Instead of us to have a professional economics, um, sorry, a professional um, economist practicing that is willing and is capable of teaching the students the practical aspects of what the day-to-day -day activity in an organization is. We have professors, which um, I'm not trying to disrespect um, any of them, which for years and years and years keep repeating the same thing and the same thing over and over and over again. And secondly, too, um, there's nobody that wants to be poor in this life. Let's be honest with ourselves. Everybody wants financial independence. There, I think there's an issue with the, um, the kind of courses we do. I feel personally that there are some courses that should be scrapped out from our educational system completely. What kind of courses? Uh, I think. Can you suggest? Okay, so for example, I think courses like history can be learned on your own. I think you, you can go to your house and learn about the history of your people or the history of your country. That should be something that somebody, you know, um, should be um, should spend three months of his life doing, and then you come and you know you get examined on that. Um, you you could probably even get a D. A D. I think courses that are evolving like um, uh. Uh, um, marriage, um, um, entrepreneurship, that people can actually invest in, into themselves and make more money should be taught, rather than all these courses that you know 
basically you, like you that, that, like you that even that is even um often the cause no like know that after this after this course I will probably not need this knowledge for the rest of my life even though knowledge is power but the um the usage of that knowledge will be very very minimal compared yeah. to the amount of time you spend acquiring it. Do you know that you are a testimony of the importance of going to university? A living yes, testimony? Yes, you are a living testimony of the importance of going to university. You see how critically you've thought about these things exactly. and how you know uh, elaborate you are with respect to certain measures that we have to take to at least have our institutions standardized to a particular stage. So this is the purpose of university. You are going to university to critical think. You during uh, probably in the past four or five five years, mm-hmm. you wouldn't have thought like this yeah. at all, right? So that's what I'm talking about. This is the purpose of going to university. What critical thinking? But you haven't answered my question. Uh-huh. Why is it that the universities <laughs> we have instead of professionals teaching the course, we have professors teaching the course? You know, mm. we we have a difference uh, between people that know the course and people that can take the course we have people that know the have the methodology to teach yes. you can have you can have the knowledge of a particular course to your fingertips mm-hmm. but you will not be able to teach or impart knowledge or transfer the knowledge to other people mm-hmm. so that is where the methodology comes in mm-hmm. so if for example you are an economist and you're working with a professional of maybe 10 or 20 years standing but you do not have the methodology to teach a particular course you will not be able to teach it so the question of whether we uh, why not we not having uh, professionals from outside of a university to come and teach that is up to the standard of the university the university is inviting uh, lecturers they will look at the methodology whether a particular person can teach or not. And then also, I think the university also would invite, and then some people are reluctant to come to the university to teach. So that is a question because uh, some students would complain of certain lectures, especially for law. We used to have uh, Ami Ben Sudas teaching, you know, we used to have those people mm-hmm. teaching, but now they're no longer teaching. You understand? Why? Well, that is a question of personal connection. <laughs> no, but look, see, I wanted to build a little on what he just said. Why, why we have professors teaching in this, you know, and it goes back to your whole critical thinking uh, point, right? Is because a professor, a professional knows the principles. A professor digs into the why of the principle. So a, uh, a professional knows what to do. A professor can tell you why you should do it. Mm. Uh, but that's the whole point. Like, you know, when you come out from university, you should, you should be more than just the knowing what to do guy. You yeah. should be knowing why it is done. And that, that leads you to be able to question whether it should be done in that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I want to say something like, you know, when it comes to this critical thinking point, why do we need education to develop critical thinking? Then what are we doing in primary school? What are we doing in secondary school? Why are we not being taught critical thinking at those levels? Mm. Okay, I think, um, I think uh, we actually talk to the article. It's just the standard. It's not as difficult as it is at the university. No, the question it's itself, done. the question itself answers itself. Uh, yeah, because um, there's some things that they cannot teach you at the particular age or stage in life, because it is believed, and of course, that's the problem that you can, you may not be able to understand it. Imagine going to, um, let's say high school, mm-hmm. they tend to teach engineering students, mm-hmm. and making a hell of waste of your time. You understand? So it's a process, a learning process. Now, and even here in the, in the faculty, there is a curriculum. You see, when you learn contract law, you learn commercial law and the rest of it, when you come to do, when you come to do banking and negotiation, it becomes a little easier for you. Okay. When you learn criminal law, you learn contract law, you learn the rest, you come to do civil procedure, it's a little easier, or criminal procedure, it's a little easier for you because there's a, there's a foundation. So all these processes are foundational processes and which you need to climb through 
and then when you when you get to the apex, you will stand well, especially when you are built on a solid foundation. Yeah. 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 You're so, talking about knowledge now. I'm talking yeah. about thinking. Yeah. And they're kind of two different things. No, because a person yeah. who knows how to think can yeah. learn yeah. himself. Yeah, no, no, no. You're thinking, you're thinking, as you grow in it, it also opens and, you know, and broadens your, your thinking horizon. There may be a way you were, you were thinking when you had your first degree, but we cannot say that's the way you're thinking now again because you have added to your knowledge. That's what gives you the ability to think or rethink. Yeah. But do you, don't you think that a person who knows, who is trained, you know, and I think that, you know, you say that, um, at that early age, maybe you're not as able or as capable yes. of imbibing critical thinking skills. Yeah. I actually think it's the other way around. Like That is the more critical stage of life where mm-hmm. these things should be imbibed into you. Um, because if you if you gain it at that stage of life, right, every mm-hmm. other stage of learning mm-hmm. will be much easier. And, and it doesn't have to be that um, you have to be taught jurisprudence mm-hmm. at the university level while you're in primary school. Mm-hmm. But you can be taught basic principles. Like in, in, I, I, um, I've come across some information right, that mm-hmm points to the fact that in elementary schools or, you know, um, lower level schools, basically, mm-hmm. in other societies, they are taught constitutional principles mm-hmm. right from, the, you know, the basic level of education. Yeah. At their own level, they yeah. are taught those constitutional principles. Mm-hmm. But that is what makes their society so strong in terms of rule of law. Mm-hmm. But we only limit it to law students at the university level. Exactly. Mm-hmm. We went through, or some of us at least went through arts class, um, we did government and all that. Mm-hmm. But you don't really imbibe the critical ability to analyze the, gov- the, the legal system, the governmental system, human yeah. rights, and all yeah. those things. So I, I think that, you know, mm. uh, maybe I, wouldn't, I won't hit so hard on university education. Mm. I would say that um, a lot is lacking uh, right from the point of primary education yeah. up to secondary education before we enter university education. Mm. And that might be what is, in, uh, in some ways, impacting uh, the usefulness of, of university education to the wider society. Yeah. Um, well, it's it's good that um, that you made this um uh, this explanation. Yeah, we have a lot lacking. Yeah, but that does not mean the whole system is a scam or is trash mm-hmm. because we know people that have passed through this system and they're very successful in life today. You understand? So it doesn't mean the whole system is a scrap. I don't think that should be the case. Rather, it should be that maybe the system may be rehabilitated or rejuvenated to meet the challenges of the society currently because our society evolves more things you know we need in the society. So for me, I think that yeah, we can work on it to see how to make some little changes or amendments when necessary, mm-hmm. so we can embrace you know solutions and panacea that can solve the demanding and current problems of a society. Yeah, um, Betty, um, mm-hmm. I also kind of um, have an issue or have mm-hmm. questions about um, the, the the duration of university education, four years, right? Yeah. Um, a lot of the billionaires, mm-hmm. most of the billionaires in this world, mm-hmm. at least the, the top ten. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't really know the exact stats, but um, mm-hmm. a large percentage of them are dropouts, mm-hmm. right? Mark, your Mark Zuckerberg, Bill Gates. Mm-hmm. Um, some of them didn't, didn't even go to school, right? Mm-hmm. Now the reason they dropped out, at least they, they you know, they, they took the first step, you know, and they got and they got um, into school. Mm-hmm. But the fact that they were able to learn the basics of what they are currently using to make money so quickly and leave the education. Um, leave the um, the educational system mm-hmm. and go out there to make billions of dollars and, mm-hmm. and to actually improve um, our life or lifestyle mm-hmm. and come back to the university to be awarded a honorary degree. Mm-hmm. Doesn't that tell something that, you know, like four years is, isn't it too long mm-hmm. to learn the basics, you know, yeah. of what we need? Okay. Um, yeah. Uh, the fact that um, Mark Zuckerberg is a testimony to it doesn't mean that he was the only one who dropped out from school to enter in that <laughs> enterprise. There may have been millions of them, and he was the only one who was lucky to see that particular light. Mm. He must first recognize that one. Okay. Secondly, as Mark Zuckerberg is right now, he's a professional in his field, 
and he also have some other professors in the field that are working with him in that particular, you know, and um, um, pursued Facebook <coughs> currently, and he's buying WhatsApp and other things. They have people working there with him that are, most of them are graduates, most of them will be PhD holders, and are working there with him. You understand? But so we will not just pick one out of a million and say that everybody should now drop out and go and open Facebook. No, that should, that should be the case. We also have um, billionaires that are that are educated. We have a handful of them that are educated. Yeah, billionaires that are educated. Mm. So let us not say that um, it's only the dropouts that are you know that are the, the wealthiest in the world or something. We have billionaires. No, and the reason. Again. Okay, um, I'm, I'm sorry, yeah. sorry. I'm, I'm just because you um, The reason why um, I pointed um, that billionaires are, you know, um, some of them are, are dropouts from school mm. is because, you know, um, if you have to follow trends, mm. you know, because ideally what, what um, every nation needs to, um, needs to succeed mm. are three things innovation, property rights, and um, human capital. Mm. Now, I f- personally, I feel like the reason why Africa hasn't really progressed is because we, we lack innovation, right? Mm. We need Facebooks, we need Microsoft, and, and we need, you know, big companies like that. And and those companies actually like, for example, Facebook, Facebook, Apple, um, Amazon, Microsoft. Mm. These are companies that are like they are like the Fortune 500 companies. They are companies that have really really changed our lives dramatically, mm. right? Now the point I'm trying, to, I'm, I'm I'm not just talking about like you know your you know one million dollar work company. I'm talking about billions mm. companies that were billions of dollars, right? Mm. Yeah. And the reason some of these people I just mentioned, some of them actually drop um, dropouts. The reason why they dropped out. Was probably because they felt like the educational system was just too long for them, and they felt like, you know, um, they could go out there and do more with their resources than you know sit down in class and just you know write tests every two weeks. And and, but like, like, I, like I answered you, they had that reason that made them to drop out. We have a million and one person that also dropped out with the same reason, even better reasons. Mm-hmm. And now today, are nowhere to be heard or to be seen, not to be found. You understand? <laughs> yeah, we know obviously because of, because they yeah. succeeded among the few. Yeah. You understand? Yeah. Yeah. So if I, if I could add a, a little twist to his point, right? I, yeah. I also think that university. I think that the four years is a bit trash. Like, why four years? Mm-hmm. How did you arrive at that figure that it must be four years? And even even if we must go through 44 or 45 courses, mm-hmm. again, like, how did you arrive at that figure that it must be 44 or 45? Um, but let's say mm-hmm. that it must be 44 or 45 mm-hmm. courses to graduate, mm-hmm. right? Those courses don't need to be done in, in four years. Mm-hmm. We have every year, every academic year, there's a very long um, break. summer break and a shorter um, Christmas mm-hmm. break, right? Mm-hmm. The summer break is it's too long. Mm. You can squeeze in a third uh, semester or what become a trimester, mm. right? And then shorten the the, the duration of, of the degree from four years to about two and a half years, right? But we have we have that in some part of the world, mm. right? So mm. here we not are we like trying to maybe tailor our conversation down to Africa, or mm. are we having a conversation? Yeah. yeah. Like as a general no, subject, no, 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 it's, it's very general because still yeah. in, mm. in almost every like across the board, the, yeah. the popular thing is that a standard degree should take about four, four years. years. Right? That's, that's and, and you would even see that some in, you know um, some in, some universities in other parts of the world mm. because there's this even though there's that standard, there's this difficulty of different systems. For example, if you want to go to India mm. to study, they will tell you you need to have either an Indian university degree or uh, a four-year bachelor's. I'm, I'm talking about if you want to go to your master's, mm. right? You need to have an Indian university degree or a, ba- a four-year bachelor's. Right? Mm. They yeah. make that distinction. Yeah. Right? I think it's very arbitrary. But let's mm. even come down to the African context, which is more relevant to us. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I really yeah. don't know why they cannot squeeze an extra semester mm. in that summer holiday. Like, yeah. We do not need three to three and a half months of holiday. Why would we need yeah. that as students? Yeah. Okay. Um, you also have yeah. to recognize the fact that we we have we do have uh, some students that are also working. Mm-hmm. 
there. So those people cannot have constant and consistent classes. Mm -hmm. So they also need a break. Yeah. Some mm -hmm. people also need other things to do. So oh, I think fun. it's uh, okay for us to have for us to have just two semester mm -hmm. and have a very long summer 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 semester. Look, even looking at the looking at the the system in Africa, especially in the Gambia, the time that we ha used to have this summer, a lot of people will be engaging in a lot of things. Mm -hmm. For example, some people are farmers. Farming, yeah. They'll be going to their, their, their farms and mm -hmm. they'll be working there. Mm -hmm. So they use that to survive. Some of them could do imagine, are casual, some students in the University of the Gambia are casual farmers. So at this time, they'll be working to fund their university. Mm -hmm. So if you want to ask those people to come three times mm -hmm. in the year without a break, that will be unreasonable for mm -hmm. them as well. Okay, but mind you, you know, we have a summer program, right? Mm -hmm. So it becomes a thing where if you cannot make it, if you if you think you need your summer, just don't come for the summer semester, right? And then your mm -hmm. program will be four years. But other people who can, why should they not uh, be allowed to take on an extra uh, semester or trimester? Mm -hmm. We do we don't have summers. Yeah, but you know it's it's, it's restrictive. Okay, it, yeah. they don't you know, they don't they don't really want you to use it. To, yeah. to beef up your, your program. Yeah. It's um, used to kind of recover the ones you missed. Yeah, you see, before the school came into that, that particular decision, so, so many students, some of top, you know, uh, stakeholders currently, they did the whole four years program in just two and a half years or three years because they were doing so many courses during summer. And the school had to reduce it to two two courses a summer, sometimes for only the um the mature set or something. You mm -hmm. understand? Mm -hmm. Now the thing is, um they it didn't just sit down one morning and just make that decision. Mm -hmm. Reports came. They made researches and they saw that some of these have big, have big graduates. Mm -hmm. uh, the ones causing problems in the street. How will you just grant? <laughs> okay, so okay, medicine. Your seven years is too much. Come and stay only two years and do some and go. And that person is going to treat human beings and possibly to treat your child or your brother. Mm -hmm. Now the thing is, the four years you're being kept. You're not being kept in the four years. You know, just um, let's say to waste your time or you know, like like arbitrary, like you said, brother. It is that. It's the learning process, but you, because it is both in character and in learning mm -hmm. that you know this academic process is all built on. And why you're doing that? They also give you this holiday again, and it's to make you know that um, the academic process is, is strenuous. However, you can have some form of comfort or holiday and warm up and come back for another semester. Now we cannot just hurry everything two years and then you go. And some people now even what they have, they've been taught in a week, the next week they don't know any, they don't know that, that of it. So sometimes these strenuous, nothing good comes like I like stated in the, in the beginning. Now these four years for me, it's, it's very very comfortable. And in fact, may I break the knowledge that very soon, maybe from next year, law will be, become five years as it is everywhere in every, every civilized setting. Here in the Gambia, you to you, law will become a five years program. No, but, but I disagree with you. Mm -hmm. In the UK, law is three years. In America, law is three years. Mm -hmm. So yeah. it's it's not a thing. No, like I mean, like within like, like, the African context, yeah. like in Nigeria, Why Ghana. Like yeah, that really prove now. Are you still going no. to pass because there's mm. so much doubt which, in, which in they say is vocational like, training? Now, no, 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 no. When you spend, when you spend, you spend, you know, good time in the in the Calvary, the, the processes, the making process, you turn to, you turn out you come out to be a better person. No, but, but okay, are you really spend? You see, you're, you're looking at it as four years, but I'm telling you that within mm. that four years, there's so much downtime, mm. right? So it's not like you're spending. Uh, you know, let's break it into hours mm. or days, mm. like 365 days times four. Yeah, It'll probably give you about 12,000, uh, 12, uh, yeah. about 15, uh, yeah, yeah. 1500 yeah. mm. um, days. Yeah, right. Mm. And then you look at it and say, Oh, you spent 1500 uh, days uh, at university, you must be well baked. The truth <laughs> is that out of that 1500 days, mm. there's a huge chunk of time you were not at the university, but, yes, right? Yes. So it's yes. not really. When you look at the cumulative amount of days that you spent at university, mm. it's the same yeah. as if you went to university for two years straight. Mm. 
Yes. So the, the requirement of having spent that mm. time okay. in the learning environment be matched into two years. It is actually the same. Now two years. Now, now do you think that because of because of that the, the how the demand of the academia, you cannot force everything to me within two years and make it a whole lot and it, a chunk. Some people don't even understand what they are doing. Because sometimes you need to sit, take a day off and relax and think, okay, what am I going to do the next step? Let's give assignment and give for one week for, for submission and students still complain. You understand? So, the, the thing is, sometimes you need, the brain, the, the brain needs to relax. For three and a half months. Not three and a half, not as if you're ready for three and a half months. I don't think one week is okay. Yeah, not as if you're ready for three and a half months. Sometimes, people are different. There are some people that they can even learn instantly in the class and they don't need to read to understand what was, was taught. But there are some people that even after teaching, we have classes that we still yes, teach yes, yes. after the real lecture. Look, 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 look. Like, like our program is not strenuous here. Mm. You probably come to school for two hours a day. Now, let's exclude the mature ones who have work to do. Mm. Let's talk about the average university student who is really uh, 17, 18, 19, 20, yeah. that has nothing to do but come to school and go home, yeah. right? Mm. You spend two hours in school, you go home, what are you really doing? Why can't you revise your notes in yeah. that time? You really don't need this breaks. Like, it's okay. not strange. Okay. Like, no, no, no. In the Gambia contest, yeah. those, 17, those 17 and 18 years people are working. But some of them are working at class in the court. Some of them are working no, in the I, I, I think the majority... Some of them the majority are working. Are working. Yeah. Majority are working. Sincerely, I did my research and I noticed that over 60% of, of all the classes I've done in my classes, they're all working. So my adults, my young but they're, they're all working. So I'm working in, in private firms. You understand? And I even see, you know, like, for them, even the six courses they do, it's like a whole lot. You know, like they will tell you in some other universities. Look, yeah. in some other universities, it's not mm. possible. I did, of course, me, I, I did 14 courses. Yeah. Like my year one and year two. I, I think university I, I should be a full ride. Like when you're here, you're mm. here. Be here. Right? And, <laughs> yeah, and if, you, yeah. if you have a need to work, mm. you have to be in a separate mature program. Mm. And that's why the university has the mature program. But mm. it's not running like... like it's not the like we're talking about just for work. <coughs> Some people after from the university, after mm. leaving the classroom, mm -hmm. they go home, cook, yeah. do some other things. Yeah. So there is also work. Like that's your business. Life, life is tough, man. Yeah. Yeah. Life is tough. Like, like, exactly. You cannot, so, you cannot build a system to accommodate everybody. Absolutely. You have to at least prepare something that will accommodate everybody. Exactly. Again, if, if you make it just two years like that, do you know my problem? For, for directly, yeah. just two years for people that are less busy. I mean, let's yeah. say, okay, come uh -huh. two years full time and then you go. Uh, not to dig out, be heavily discriminated. Yeah. That it, it's, it's only it means the school will only be for for people that are, that are free. Uh -huh. <laughs> well, that are very free. Okay. Yeah. You know, you know my issue with this. Let, let me yeah. hit the nail on the head. Right? <laughs> the shorter the program, yeah. the less the university collects from you in fees. Mm. Okay. Right. Okay. Wow. okay. So, so if it didn't mm. make it one year and maintain mm. your one year annual school fees at the mm. same price which they should mm. right and give you more value for your money mm. within those years because they're paying lecturers right that time yeah. you're, you're on holidays mm. they're paying lecturers yeah. okay so they're paying they some give, lecturers okay yeah, the full time lecturers the full time ones right yeah, yeah. yeah. so <coughs> if you are home um, not mm. gaining value for what you've paid for because mm. of course it's not the money for paying lecturers is not falling from the skies mm. right it is coming out of your fees ordinarily I mean yeah. some investors are uh, aid funded, but I don't really think that's the case here. No. Right? Mm. So yeah. it's really your fees that are not being used to benefit you in any way. <coughs> Instead, you pay more through the extra years that are added on. I think you know you really have more value to gain if they shorten the program. Yeah. No, it, sorry to, to cut you. You see, yeah. you stated earlier, you established the fact that the university is not, not about classroom learning. Yeah. That's what you do with researching. Mm -hmm. So even if you're not in on campus, you can still be out doing your research. Yeah. 
Sometimes, some, some of us even come to school. How much research has happened? Exactly. Some of us, we may be on break, but we still come to school. We still try to do our little research in from our little corner. It is very, very exceptional. Yeah, very exceptional. Yeah, so, but, yeah, so, but so sorry. Magic has Okay, okay, magic, please. No, you carry on. No, no, please, please. The floor is yours. Okay, I just want to debunk. Yes. Yes. One one of the things that he he just said. Go ahead. That if uh, the university uh, allows people to Mm -hmm. spend like three three semesters in a year, Mm -hmm. then they will be earning less. Mm -hmm. You also you I think you understand the fact that university reject people Mm -hmm. over any application. Mm -hmm. The people that they reject. They actually going to allow those people as you graduate. They will accept you. No, no, I'm not saying that they will. No, no, I'm not saying the university will earn less. I'm saying you will pay less. Mm-hmm. Yes, you pay. Yeah, you pay less. But you know what? University will earn. So you, for the fact that you are paying less, is not actually. But, but then it's it, it, a way. It now it just. And if you pay less, you gain less. Yes. We have to close the curtains right here. Um, it's okay. been an awesome conversation, but just quickly, mm. um, like we always do, we give 30 seconds to our audience to so just give us, you know, okay. to our mm. guests, right, yeah. rather. Mm. My bad. Um, to just mm. give us um, a quick recap of everything they said, and you know, what, you know, there's a young man outside sitting down, you know, he hasn't gone to school. Final words in 30 seconds in ev- of everything you've said. Is university education a scam? And give us your reasons. Yes, like I always said, the university education is never a scam and never will be. University, the purpose of it, you will only say this or you only think about this if you do not know the purpose of going to the university. You're there to train yourself. The university is not promising you to go to after graduation to earn millions. No, the university, that is not the purpose. You're there to critically think and, and that is why I am here here today to at least argue on that particular topic. Mm-hmm. So university is never a scam and never will be. Thank you. Um, just to recall what he said, uh, University education has never been and um, is not and will never be a scam if properly handled. Uh, I had to add this if properly handled because in the African context, it sometimes it seems to you know to shield against the grain um, of what we really need to do because people are only concerned of profit making and not you know um, impacting knowledge in the student and in the society. So for me, it's not a scam. I advise everybody that has the wherewithal to seek university education and even more. And to be, you know, for the betterment of ourselves yeah. personally, our proximate people, and most importantly, um, the society at large, and then we we'll become a better place to right the wrongs of in the, the governance model which we have questioned until this time. Thank you. All right, guys. Uh, I, I, let me say that it was very nice having you guys on. Um, uh, I, I, I would just cap off my statements by saying that. Um, yeah, university education is probably not a scam per se, but it does have scamish uh, elements in it. Um, you know, one, I think the cost is too high, and the rewards are not commensurate. I also think that you know there's a lot of arbitrary standards that have been set up with, with education, especially as I just said with, with time and all that. But I mean, I'm not I'm not opposed to university education. I have two degrees, um, so I, it would be hypocritical. Yeah, living, yeah, 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 living testimony. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> To say that. Yeah. But I think, but the main thing I will cap it off with saying is that it's wrong that university education is not um, as open to everyone as it should be. The, the, that needs to be looked into. into yeah. Otherwise, it just you know it just creates classes in, in our societies mm-hmm. now that don't really help. Uh, but otherwise, uh, thank you guys for coming on. This has been the conversation. Uh, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you guys so much, and see you in the next episode.